Hello, everybody. This is Indina Maka for the 40th Year Podcast. If you're listening to this and you're a child under the age of 18, make sure you have your mom or dad or guardian with you as we proceed to discuss some topics that might be out of your realm of reach or might be explicit. In addition, because we live in a time where false media lives large, the conversations that I normally have is based on little research, rumor, hearsay, and allegation. So a lot of times you'll hear me say, this is alleged or allegedly, just so that we're all on our P's and Q's because I don't want anybody suing me for defamation because I don't have any money. So with that being said, let's get this podcast rolling. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Indy Namaka, and this is episode 16 of the 40th Year Podcast. Thank you for stopping by and welcome again. Before we get started with the topics for this particular episode, I wanted to talk about a opinion piece that was placed in the Washington Post by, um, for some of you all, you would think that they're prominent. I don't really because I don't really care for their political jargon. But these are women of color that have been given the opportunity to be featured in certain aspects of activism, community organizing and media. And the opinion piece was found in The Washington Post. It was it was addressed to the Democratic presidential candidate, Joe Biden, and it was really centered around the conversation of the black women in America under the tutelage of the Democratic Party. Um, I personally thought that it was really a secret message to the Republican Party and the current administration, but with the public, uh, public perception, it was for Joe Biden to buck up and help the black woman in this season, if he thinks that he's going to be the new president of the United States coming 2020. I think what it was is that it bothered me a little bit. I just didn't like the, it was such, it, the women that, that was placed, because to me, it was nothing but a promotional tool. You're going to say by who, all I kept thinking after a while, after listening to it, because it's not really that long. There's a video piece and then there is a written piece on the digital uh, side for Washington Post. It's like about the video is about like maybe two minutes long. And all I kept thinking was Kamala Harris, Democratic senator uh, for California and Stacey Abrams, Democrat from Georgia. And. I don't like them and I didn't like the women who did the little propaganda. Am I saying it was Harrison Abrams? It seemed that way. It seemed and the statement that they used, it sounded like something that Sean Combs, a.k.a. Diddy, has said. Biden, you owe us this. And I was like, oh, God, we're back on this whole slave mentality thing. It sounded very slave, like we're on a slave ship. And it was like and and Trump and Pence and Biden are guiding us to glory, I guess. I I mean, I don't know. It just, it bothered me. 
And it really had me sit down thinking, what is ultimately pissing you off about this piece? And I realized it was the girl from St. Louis. Y'all are still saying, NDD, you ain't going to give us the names. Not really, because they're never going to get any publicity on my shit. I said the Washington Post. I said Joe Biden. Say Joe Biden, Washington Post, and black women, and you'll find the piece. I'm not going to say it, but it was a St. Louisan on there. And she bothers me because she's been talking shit about me, apparently. I let it slide because she's nothing but a young bitch, a bitch that don't know. The alma maters that she came from are alma maters that I don't really care for. She's just a product of her environment. You were like, okay, Indy, what did she really do? It's because when she was sitting in front of a number of people, which includes activists, politicals, and a number of other influential people, I guess somebody brought me up or she brought me up. However, I, somehow I was brought up. And it was because she made a point to talk about the neighborhood that I grew up in. And it was kind of like she was criticizing my parents for having me in that neighborhood, knowing they could have done better. Now, one, you don't know the economics of my family. And two, you don't get it. And I guess your parents don't get it and your alma maters don't get it either. But I'm going to teach y'all today, I think. The area that I grew up in, in northern St. Louis County, and really it was me and my younger brother. We grew up in the neighborhood, my younger sister she did not experience what we experienced living in this neighborhood, but it was in northern St. Louis County County, and it had become drug ridden while we were there. Unfortunately, it had become drug and gang ridden. Shit happens. It was a predominantly black neighborhood. You will hear certain people say they blame the nation of Islam. I blame them as well. But that's just an allegation. But I grew up there and it seemed to be them. And so for me, she described it as an extremely hood neighborhood. And so she's really a hood person. It doesn't read off of her, but she's really a hood. Yes, bitch. I am so hood. I am so hood and I am a product of my environment. And that's why I'm where I'm at today, because I am hood. And so for me, that bitch and them bitches on the piece can't tell me shit. And so unfortunately, what I'm wanting to share with you all, my listeners, the people that want to hear what I have to say, the haters, because you're like, Indy, you're hating too. That is exactly right. I am a hater. I'll tell you that with the quickness. I don't like you all and I don't fuck with you. So, I mean, if you want to call me a hater, so be it. I think it's important that when you see that piece, because mind you, even in my hatred, I still believe that they have a right to voice their opinion. You have a right to think that black women are miracle, are miracle workers. And you have a right to think that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party owes you. But that's not how I feel. In that piece, it showed me. That the African-American woman, the black woman, the African woman in America and all the other women we still don't know how to assign ownership to oneself. We don't know how to take care of ourselves without begging and pleading for someone else to pick up the pace when we need to pick up the pace. It's imperative for us to get into the conversation of asking ourselves who owes us what. Because unfortunately, I can't see any of us answering that question until we actually take ownership of 
our own self. The black woman lacks that in so many ways. And it, to me, made me think that the Democratic Party views us as property. And I'm nobody's property. The only property that I can really say is I'm God's property. And that's of the Christian faith, not a drug lord, by the way. I think it's important to keep in mind as we go down this journey. And that's why I don't really that's why I really didn't want to talk about this because it's political. And as I told you before, I am undeclared and under and undecided. I do not fully complete the ballot when I go to the voting poll at some in certain times and in certain points of my life, I have not completed it. I went to vote with full intention, but sometimes don't finish the ballot because I didn't see anybody that was viable. And nor do I do straight Democrat when I was Democrat. I'm neither party at this point. And so it was imperative for me to step in because I wanted you to know that I do not agree with what they said in the Washington Post. I do not believe that the Democratic Party owes me anything because they've already showed me that if I did think I owed them, they don't owe me a thing. And so in reality, we have to start learning how to be more self-sufficient black woman because these ladies are making it seem to the globe that the black woman in America is not self-sufficient and that she doesn't have ownership to anything. So really, we don't have a right to be telling other brown women across the globe about taking ownership of oneself because we clearly don't because we're asking white men to take care of us because we're miracle workers. Now, some of you all may say that seems com uh, seems to be a conflict. It is because when have we been miracle workers? That's like that's like a God effect. Having some kind of God syndrome, black women don't have a goddess syndrome. We're just women trying to get to the next day. And they were living in such a futuristic standpoint that I did not hear anything about the COVID-19 pandemic and how it hit the black woman. If we were having such issues with health care, that conversation should have came up first. But it didn't. And that was another reason why I did not like the piece. We need to stop being so future or oriented and start paying attention to what's going on. Cause the black woman out of all women, we are living day by day. It's one day at a time, regardless of education, class or ethnicity. And those women miss missed a great deal by putting that up. But again, it wasn't for edification or productivity for the black women in America. It was for them to show a power dynamic in their group. We want to know who we want to know who the VP is going to be. We want to make sure that we get the Supreme Court justice that we want. Forget the rest because that's about the poor. We don't care about that. And so unfortunately for the black woman in America, I think we have a long, long road ahead of us. Unfortunately, I don't really know what to say to you because I feel that that's going to be that that piece is going to have an adverse effect on us. And let me tell you why. The Washington Post is owned by Jeff Benzos. If you didn't know, now, you know. He is slated to be the first trillionaire 
globally. And I think to have that much money is ungodly. But he is what he is. And I felt that that was also a silent call to him about the black woman's plight and that we need his help, too. But I can attest you, I don't need your help at all, Benzos. They do. But the rest of the hood, the rest of the rural area, the rest of suburbia, we ain't checking for you. Trust. Let's get to the topics at hand. All right, you guys. So in the news, you probably heard about the death and murder of Breonna Taylor from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Currently, her mother, um, her last name is Palmer, is suing the Louisville Police Department in what she considers a um, neglectful murder of her daughter. It appears that from the conversation um, Brianna Taylor was an EMT in Louisville. She was living in an apartment with her um, guy at the time who was Kenneth Walker. And it appeared that there was a search warrant given to the Louisville PD that stated that they had um, authority to come to her home due to the fact that it was a, um, I'll call it a facility that drugs were being picked up and made, et cetera, at the house that was associated to uh, Taylor and Walker. As the police, Louisville, exercised the warrant, Walker, her boyfriend, got up and started to shoot because he thought somebody was breaking into the home. After Walker pulled his gun and started shooting, Louisville started shooting as well. And as Brianna Taylor got caught in the crossfire and died. And so from that point on, the incident took place in March. And from that incident, the Louisville PD had been very quiet. And so for Brianna Walker, I mean, sorry, Brianna Taylor's um mother perspective, she took offense to it and decided to do a civil suit. Um, To give you a little bit more information, I'm going to read some of an article that I found from the NBC News and then kind of go from there in regards to some of the conversation that I've seen and heard and, and what I thought about it. According to NBC News, um, the title of it is women shot by shot and killed by Kentucky police in a botch raid, family says. Um, the lawsuit says that the Louisville police officers forced their way inside and blindly fired, killing Breonna Taylor. The lawsuit was filed by the family of Breonna Taylor, an EMT worker, and it said that she and her boyfriend thought they were being burglarized and they fired at the, or he fired at 
the officers in self-defense. The lawsuit accused the three officers of blindly firing more than 20 shots into the apartment. After the March 13th incident, the Louisville Metro Police Department said the officers had knocked on the door several times and announced their presence as police who were there with a search warrant. After forcing their way in, they were immediately met by gunfire, according to Lieutenant Ted Edmund Edim at a news conference. Um, Taylor's death gained national attention this week after the family hired Ben Crump, who is also representing the family of Ahmad Abrit, the man, the black man in Georgia who was killed on February 23rd after being pursued and shot by two white men. The two men are charged with murder and aggravated assault. Taylor, who was 26, was shot eight times by the police. Kenneth Walker, 27, was arrested and charged with assault and attempted murder on a police officer, and the attorney for Walker could not be immediately reached. According to Crump, Breonna Taylor was sleeping while black in the sanctity of her own home. He also states we cannot continue to allow them to unnecessarily and justifiably kill our black women and escape any accountability. Records state that the police investigation was centered around a trap house more than 10 miles from Taylor's apartment and that a judge had approved a no knock search warrant, meaning officers did not have to identi identify themselves, according to the Louisville a courier journal. The lawsuit also states that Taylor and her boyfriend Walker were asleep in their bedrooms when police in plain clothes and unmarked vehicles arrived at the house looking for a suspect who lives in a different part of the city and was already in police custody. They said that the defendants then proceeded to spray gunfire into the residence with a, with a total disregard for the value of human life. They sh the shots were blindly fired by officers all throughout Brianna's home. It also states that the guy Walker had a license to carry and he kept firearms in his home and that Taylor was also un unarmed. Taylor and Walker have no criminal history or drug convictions and there was no drugs found on her home. According to the search warrant, um, Taylor's address was found. It said her address was listed on the search warrant based on police belief that a drug suspect had used her home to receive mail, keep drugs or stash money. The warrant also stated a car registered to Taylor was seen parked on several occasions in front of a drug house known to the suspect. Taylor's mother, Tamika Palmer, filed the lawsuit in April in Jefferson Circuit Courts, allegedly wrongful death excessive force and gross neglect. And the police spokesperson had no comment this week because the investigation was still ongoing. The officers that were associated to the death of Brianna Taylor was a Jonathan Madeline, a Britt Hankerson and a Miles Coastgrove. They were reassigned pending the outcome of the investigation. Um, the Louisville mayor, Greg Fisher, he said on Twitter, as always, my priority is that the truth comes out and for justice to follow the path of truth.
Another attorney, a Sam, a Sam Aguilera, the truth will be uncovered is what he states. He hopes that the exposure of Taylor's case is going to help them get leads to chalk to a change at the police department. So as you all hear all of that, it let you know that even though Breonna Taylor was a first responder, it kind of sounds like they really didn't treat her like one. Because my impression of the situation when you're a first responder, and when I say first responder, police, firefighters, EMT, you normally get some sort of precedent is what I'll say. They, they would tell you what is going on before it takes place, but it doesn't seem like they did that for Brianna or did they? Because they said Brianna was well liked. Everybody cared about her. She was a good person. And then all of a sudden this takes place to her and she dies right before everybody's eyes. Um, my question is, what was the relationship like between Kenneth Walker and Brianna Taylor? Because that to me seems to be the area where we don't have enough information. But then again, it really isn't any of our business. One of the rumors that I heard, and it's really very much a rumor, was that in the attempt of Walker trying to create an atmosphere to, in my mind, keep alive, they said there was evidence on Brianna's body that apparently that bullets from his gun hit her as well. Now, remember, that's very much an allegation. I couldn't find too much information. That's really social media based in Louisville, Kentucky that made that allegation. But like I've like I personally want to say now, I understand where they're coming from. Maybe he it's a possibility that he might have shot her allegedly. But it's about the final bullet that created the atmosphere for Brianna Taylor to pass. And they're pointing to hand, pointing the hand at the three officers from Louisville. It's unfortunate. So and that's really why I'm making the statement about the relationship between Walker and Taylor. Was it a good relationship? Who said that Taylor didn't know about the warrant? Could it have been that they thought she was at the job and they didn't realize it? Or did they not give a fuck at all? Clearly, we know they didn't give a fuck because she's dead. And they were shooting into the house without even calling her name at first. But then again, we don't know what the real story is. I understand where Miss Palmer is coming from because they had she hadn't really heard anything about anything but the fact that Walker was put in jail and that our daughter was deceased. And it was at the from her immediate understanding. It was from the Louisville PD's hand. Um. It's disappointing um, to me to see somebody that bright and who was wanting to do more as an EMT and move her way up into other parts of the emergency healthcare community. And to see it just laid away is disappointing. I do personally find it difficult to see Benjamin Crump on the case. Um, I somebody called him an ambulance chaser. I said, I don't call him that. I call him a fake activist. I don't see his presence helping the situation for Taylor and even Walker's family 
at this point because I found it interesting that Walker's attorney did not contact the NBC news offices or news bureau to put their two cents in it. So which it, it bothers me. I don't know if it's about Benjamin Crump. I don't know if it's about Louisville. Um, there was questions about his identity. I don't actually know what that means. It was kind of sketchy to me. Um, I don't know if he was telling Brianna Walker the truth about who he was. And so I felt that if the first responder crew was dismissing Taylor, then it had to be something about Kenneth Walker. And, it, I, I, and I felt like maybe Taylor was maybe giving Walker more time than she should. And they might have the, the first responders, especially the Louisville PD was not willing to give her the same trust that they would if she was out on the field anymore. And so it's important, I think, for people to understand that regardless of where you are at in the walk that you're in, that it can quickly change and you have to be prepared to be agile and be able to adapt to things when people don't view you the way that you want them to when you're doing something that they don't feel is effective for the team. And so you're saying, well, Indy, you don't think that the Louisville first responders thought Walker was viable? They couldn't have. They had her address listed on a search warrant. And if they didn't tell her, they thought that she was the, that she was the enemy. And I felt that maybe Walker thought that she was the op if he did shoot her allegedly in the crossfire. Now, remember, they said that Taylor and Walker did not have an arrest record, but something was wrong. And unfortunately, Taylor is not able not able to tell her story. Her family is devastated. Walker's in jail and the three police officers have the three police officers have been reassigned. So there has to be something that we don't know that we may never know. Was it racially motivated? Probably. I do wish that they would get rid of Benjamin Crump, though. I mean, he's been everywhere from Tupac to Biggie. Bontem John. I didn't know anything about the uh, Ahmad Aubrey case. I didn't know that you guys put him on there. Um, I just don't see him as being valuable. I, I find that to be a weakness in my mind. It's not going to be a hopeful to the family at all. He's not going to get any more information than you all are. You probably slowed it down, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to shade you or anything like that at all, but I think it's imperative to keep that in mind. He he is everywhere, but where he needs to be making sure his license is up, to be honest with you. So um, I do wish the families who are involved in this well, um, it seemed like Breonna Taylor was a good person, just maybe at the wrong place at the wrong time. Let's talk about something else.
All right, y'all. So this last topic, I thought it was intriguing because I really thought it had something to do with Wells Fargo because um, this particular reality TV personality got caught up and he is now currently being charged with bank fraud. And so you're probably thinking who his real name is Maurice Fain. You know him on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta as the estranged husband of Carly Red, and you know him as Arkansas Mo. So evidently he got arrested last week um, by the FBI and the F SBA OIG, which that's the Small Business Administration Office of Inspector General. They arrested him for bank fraud. Now, when I saw the piece on Baller Alert, I thought, ooh, it's Wells Fargo. Fuck that. Oh, no, 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 no. Free Arkansas Mo. Yeah, man, free him. So then I go to the Hollywood Reporter article about it. Yes, he made the Hollywood Reporter. And they didn't say anything. So I definitely knew it was Wells Fargo. And then something in my head said, let me just go to the DOJ's uh, press release area to see who it is. Because if it's Wells Fargo, I'm really on the free Arkansas Mo tip. So let me um, kind of give you a synopsis of what they said. And this is the federal government about the situation that Arkansas Mo is in. <clears throat> If you want to see the press release, actually, it's uh, it's entitled Reality TV Personality Charged with Bank Fraud. It was released Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. So let's first start at the end of this press release because I thought it was interesting that it was on there. It says the charges are merely are merely an allegation and the defendant is presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. Um, as I said before, the FBI and the SBA OIG are investigating the case. Um, the assistant chief, L. Rush Atkinson of the Criminal Division of Fraud Section and assistant U.S. attorneys Russell Phillips, Benita Mallow, Mallory, I'm sorry, and Michael J. Brown of the Northern District of Georgia are going to be prosecuting the case. It appears that Maurice Fain, a.k.a. Arkansas Mo, 37 of uh, Dakila, Georgia, was charged with bank fraud. And he made his initial appearance that Wednesday before U.S. Madras Judge Justin S. Anod. It said the defendant allegedly stole money meant to assist hard hit employees and businesses during this difficult time and instead greedily used the money to bankroll his lavish purchases of jewelry and other personal items. According to Assistant Attorney General Brian A. Benjowski of the Justice Department Criminal Division, they said that the department will remain steadfast in their efforts to root out and prosecute frauds against the PPP program or the payment or paycheck protection program. It said it def the defendant allegedly took advantage of the emergency lending provisions of the paycheck protection program that was intended to assist employees and small businesses battered by the coronavirus, said U.S. Attorney B.J. Pack of the Northern District of Georgia. We will investigate and charge anyone who inappropriately diverts these critical funds of their own personal gain. The FBI office special agent in charge, Chris Hacker, states at the time when small businesses are struggling for survival, we cannot tolerate anyone driven by personal greed who misdirects federal emergency assistance e earmarked for keeping businesses afloat. 
The FBI and our federal partners remain vigilant during this coronavirus pandemic to make sure funds provided by programs like PPP are used to are used as intended. Now, special agent in charge, Kevin Cupper Bush of the Small Business Association Office of Inspector General Eastern Region states the defendant allegedly sought personal gain from a program intended to assist hardworking Americans in this challenging time. They said they were aggressively pursue any wrongdoing to maintain the integrity of the SBA program. And so it appears that Fane is the sole owner of a Georgia corporation called Flame Trucking. In April, Fane signed and submitted a uh, PPP loan application to a United Community Bank of Georgia under the name of Flame Trucking. He claimed that the business had 107 employees and that his average monthly payroll was $1,490,200. In his initial request of loan money, which um, in his, I'm not going to give you all that amount. In the initial amount, he certified that the loan proceedings would be used to retain workers, maintain payroll or make mortgage interest, interest payments, lease payments and utility payments as specified under the Paycheck Protection Program rule. It looked like United Community Bank had funded him ultimately two million forty five thousand eight hundred dollars. It appeared that somehow they found out that within days he allegedly used one point five million dollars to purchase eighty five thousand dollars in jewelry and use forty five thousand dollars of it for ch for child support. According to the CARES Act, such payments are not authorized. In regards to PPP funds. On May 6th. It looks like federal investigators reached out to him and he had admitted that he submitted a PPP loan application under under the name of Flame Trucking. He claimed that he used all the PPP loan proceedings to pay payroll and other business expenses incurred by Flame Trucking and denied using any of the PPP loan proceedings to pay his personal debts and expenses. But then Within, it looks like uh, five days, the agents executed a search at Fane's res residence in Dakala and seized approximately $80,000 in cash. Um, some of the money was in Fane's pockets and then the jewelry that he purchased. And then they found a car, a 2019 Rolls Royce, which still had temporary dealer tags on it. And they also executed a warrant on three bank accounts that was associated to Fane and seized money from there that they claim was for the PPP. Now, to give you all a better understanding of what the PPP is, it allows qualified small businesses and other organizations to receive loans with a maturity of two years and an interest rate interest rate of one percent. PPP loan proceeds PPP loan monies must be used by businesses on payroll costs, interests, interest on mortgages, rent and utilities. The PPP allows the interest and principal to be forgiven if the businesses spend the proceeds on these expenses within eight weeks of the receipt. It uses at least 75 percent of the forgiving amount for payroll. So you're like, well, where is he at now? It I don't really know. I don't know if he's in jail or he was released. Um, it doesn't really say that I couldn't find any more information about it, but 
the press release, the article from the Hollywood Reporter and um, uh, some stuff from the from the ball alert team. Um, it's intriguing to me that he would get put in jail when we have had the likes of Shake Shack and the L.A. Lakers and and they return the money in whatever fashion but shit we don't know what the fuck they did with the money now am i giving fane a pass no i'm not because he shouldn't have got the money if he wasn't a legit business but we are in this season in this season of not taking ownership and so with the way they were coming to the minority small businesses in comparison to the ones that were driven by white males it seemed like we were not going to be able to do this unless we had a third party vet us which i didn't take kindly and I didn't do the vetting part. I did do a small business loan request and it was only because from my perspective, they told me that if we don't do something during this pandemic to make it look like our businesses are legitimate, that the federal and state governments will come knocking at the door asking you to close your business because you're not legitimate. And some of you are thinking, so you think that Fane did that? It's a possibility depending on who he talked to. Because who said he didn't have the money? Your girl has been on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta since season one. She knows any and everybody probably at this point. Yeah, they're estranged, but people still speak to him because that's Carly Red's guy. And so he's been in the entertainment industry because he had a, it's another girl on the show that I won't name that used to talk to him, too. So, I mean, he's been around, so he knows people, too. So it's imperative for you all to see it from that perspective, too. You're like, well, entity, did you want to do the SBA loan? No, I didn't because I don't like, you know, I'm not for the government anyway. So but at this point, you're like, did you get money? I haven't got money yet. And most of the women that I know that run business, you all have not gotten your money either. And so it's disappointing to see the situation that Fame put him put himself in. He is going to have to be able to articulate what he did with his money. And from whatever the federal government did, <clears throat> they claim that he took the money and spent it on himself and not on his employees so he was charged with bank fraud so we got to see where he will be in like i guess but the next 90 days because that that was very quick i wondered who snitched on him now everybody was pointing their hand at carly red i said no if he went through one of these agencies that suddenly appeared and said that they're helping the minorities through this covid 19 COVID-19 pandemic and you know if you don't understand how to get this funding we can help you get it because some of these agencies are telling these people like oh no no you don't really need to do this go sit down and so they sit they sit they sit there and then they'll suddenly probably get a call from somebody or a letter saying okay you're not a legitimate business close but you're like why so that some of these people can move in so some of these people can move into the territory you're like other minorities I'm saying white people to be honest with you really not white women but white men so unfortunately he got himself caught up whoever he didn't give a finder's fee to because that's what I think it is 
they got mad and they went talked. And now he's sitting there. I do wonder, did they go to United Community Bank directly or did they go to the uh, FBI and SBA? Because if they did go to the bank, he got problems with the FDIC, too. And that I di it didn't look like it was mentioned there either because the FDIC would make it to where he can't even get a checking account by the time this gets done with. But only time will tell. Um, it's disappointing to see that take place, but it's about who you choose to listen to and, and who you are in the aspects of running business, especially when you're a minority. So, you know, I wish him well, hope he gets out of it, but it sounds a little sketchy to me because it meant they probably have a forensic accountant running through his books now. And it's probably on his end too, but he needs to have some receipts or something because that was what they're actually asking. They want you to, after you get the loan, you can get the loan forgiven if you show them that you did exactly what you said you were going to do payroll and utilities and like and a large percentage of it needed to go to payroll. And in the in the trucking industry anyway, I was always under the impression it's a, like the drivers are independent contractors. So what does that look like? Are you still giving them payroll? Because the only payroll I see him giving because he said he had 107 employees. Were they independent contractors or were they getting W-2s like salary and hourly employees? But, hey, this is it's 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 interesting that he got hemmed up, though. Um, that's the end of the show, guys. Um, I appreciate y'all for listening. I will be here next week. God willing. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye bye now.